0: Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker.
1: set by his grace. We are saved by his good.
0: Aligns with some core values that I have. I believe that God is always desiring to speak to his people. I think that it is his will that we, in all of our ways, everybody say all, all of our ways acknowledge him. And it, 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 it really doesn't matter whether you're, you're, you're seeking him about what you preach on Sunday or how do I get my car fixed, okay? And he doesn't want us to become mindless robots. Acknowledging him doesn't mean that we just wait and we're in a vegetative state until he speaks. It's that as we move forward, we always have our ear tuned to him. At any moment, he can direct a change. He can tell us to stop. He can tell us to go. He can tell us to go this direction. And and even when it doesn't make any sense. And that's the hardest part, isn't it? When it doesn't make any sense. And if we we don't listen to that, we, we end up paying. And um, I, I, so I, I, it's a core value of mine that that, that's, that connection between you and God through the Holy Spirit and him speaking to you is what he's building his church on, is that, that basis, his ability to communicate with anybody and everybody he wants to. You can even be a donkey, and he can use you, Amen. At the same time, I believe that his desire is to have more than one voice that speaks to a church. It's never been the, it's never been the design of God that, the, that all that the body knows is what comes from the pastor. It's never been. That's never been his design. He has multiple voices, multiple giftings that he wants to use. And, and so the Lord put on my heart something... It's simply called Five Minutes of Fire, and uh, we have a number of individuals, even beyond the number going to be ministering today, that are a part of this body, and um, um, I've engaged these individuals and asked them to get a five-minute sermon ready, five minutes, okay? And um, they're they're not team preaching, they're not trying to add on what the previous person preached. Uh, They don't know what the other person is preaching about. It's five-minute sermons, okay? I've got a timer that's going to go off when their time is up, and they're to stop. And I've already told them, don't ask me for more time. The answer is no, okay? You can finish your sentence, and the answer is no. sit down and be quiet and let the next person speak. Um, Because I believe that real ministry is, is not performance. It's not a performance. I believe that, that genuine ministry should be an outgrowth of who you are. That's why you can be in season and out of season instant, because it's it's not something you prepare for. It's something you are. How I many you know what I'm saying? It should just... And, and I believe that, that those who are called to the ministry, God is always speaking a fresh word to them. There's always something bubbling up, something always just always right there, okay, and, um, and so w- with that idea, we're, we're going to start five minutes of fire today, and uh, the timer will start the moment they hit this pulpit, when they hear it off, go off, they're stopping and the next one's coming, come on Jeff, batter up, you're the lead off hitter.
2: Okay, can you hear me? <laughs> uh, the just shall live by faith. Go ahead and put my scripture up there if you can. The just shall live by faith. That's not the scripture, but that's what I'm saying. Uh, Mark eleven 22. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to talk about it. But before I do, I want to tell you that this is a, the setting of this scripture is just as important as the scripture. Uh, Jesus was walking with his disciples. He saw a fig tree, went up to it to get something to eat. It should have had some fruit on it. It didn't have any fruit on it, so he cursed it. So the Son of Man talked to a tree. You ready? <laughs> okay, we got it up here. So Jesus answered and said to them, this is after he cursed the tree, and then now they're walking back, and they see the tree, and it's withered. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. I'm going to give you three definitions of faith. You should be able to recognize when you're in faith. You should be able, you should know you are and recognize it and understand what it is. So these three definitions uh, that I got from studying is a conviction based upon a belief. Faith is a a conviction that you have based upon a belief. It's a firm persuasion. You're firmly persuaded about something. Simply put, faith is what you believe. Now, let let me just get through this, and it'll make more sense to you. Uh, We also know that faith is an action word. It has legs. It's a movement. But it is what you believe. So let me read the, let me kind of paint a picture for you if I can. I like to paint, some of you know that. But this is is an air painting, okay? This is just an air painting because I don't have a lot of time. Um, If I put the world over here, and I put the word here, the word of God, and I put up here uh, what you believe, and I put over here your flesh, and next to it I put what you think what you say and what you do. Okay, so I'm going to draw a line. I'm going to draw a line from the world up here to what you believe. Are you believing what the world says or are you believing what the word says? These this stuff, the word over here should form your beliefs. Right? That's why we got to renew our mind. It's critical that we renew our mind. So the word forms our beliefs and our beliefs should govern what we think, say and do. Right? But if, if the word forms our beliefs and our beliefs don't, they don't govern what we think, say, and do, then our flesh will govern what we think, say, and do. You're not living by faith. Are you kind of getting what I'm saying? So the world, the world, think about the God of this world. He's always trying to form what you believe, right? He did for me for 29 years until I read the scriptures and I understood that I, I'm thinking like the devil. <laughs> I don't want to think like the devil, so I'm sorry about the mic thing here. So the word is supposed to form our beliefs, and our beliefs should govern what we think, say, and do. I was preparing this a uh, short time I have. I asked my wife to hold up a finger when I got one minute. It's a backup plan. Um, so as I was preparing this, I heard these words, and I think these are probably more important than everything I've said so far. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, it, 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 this is a form of prophecy, but I'll, I'll just—I'll just tell you what I heard. I don't really enjoy saying this, so just as the day approaches, the demand on bearing fruit will increase in our lives in the body of Christ. There's there's going to be a demand on us to bear fruit. So if 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 you if you're if you're going through some pruning, I pruned trees when I was a young man working on an apple farm. Uh, I don't, the trees never said anything to me but I don't think they liked it. You know, I would climb, it was winter. We would climb up the trees in the cold and we would take snips, these pruners, and we would cut branches off the trees. But in the, in the spring and in the, in the season, when the season was right, the fruit was great. It was great, big, red, delicious apples. And I, I believe that the, the day, as the day approaches, that would be the day of Christ, the day of his return, when there's no more time. The demand on the body of Christ to bear fruit is going to increase. I'm done.
3: I want to talk about the faithfulness of God and go to uh, Hebrews 10 and 23 and it says this. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful, that promise. And that's the thing I want, to, I want to concentrate on today is no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, and everybody here is facing something, everybody here is going through something. It doesn't matter how long you've been going through it. You know why? Because God's not on Timex time. Maybe you don't, I don't even know if they make Timex anymore. You know, back in when I was a kid, that was a cheap, dependable watch, you know. God's not on Rolex time. God's not bound by time or space or gravity or anything. And so it doesn't matter how long you've been going through it. God is still a faithful God. You know, when I when I look at the man at the pool of Bethesda, he, Jesus knew when he showed up, this man had been going through this for a long time. The lady that was bowed over was bowed over for 18 years. The man that was born blind was an adult by the time Jesus showed up, but here's the thing, he showed up. He promised Abraham a son. It took 25 years for him to arrive. Abraham was hundred years old and Sarah was 90, but they were still bouncing a baby boy on their knee, on arthritic knees. But here's the thing, God is faithful that God will do what he says he will do, but God's not a microwave. You know, you can't put your prayer request in a microwave and push the button and set it on a minute or set it on five minutes or set it on ten years or twenty years and expect God to do that. I, I See, that the problem nowadays is, is we've forgotten how to wait upon the Lord. You know, the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. But we've forgotten how to wait upon the Lord, and, and, and we kind of treat God like a, like a microwave, you know. You can put popcorn in, three minutes later you got popcorn, you got instant potatoes, instant pudding. God is not an instant God, but God is a faithful God. First Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. God will do it. If God has made a promise to you, God will keep his word. He will keep his word. You look at the plan of salvation. It was made before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Thousands of years later, Jesus was born, and then he had to wait another 33 and a half years until Jesus went to the cross, but the last thing he said was, It's finished. It took That was a long time for it to show up, but guess what? With God, it will show up. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. I love how it says, says this. It says, hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is a God, is a God of his word. Praise God. And from time to time, we need to re- be reminded that God is always faithful, keeps his word. He's never been late. As a physician, he's never lost a case. God is perfect. You know, God is so cool. He always knows the right thing to say at just the right time. He knows when to show up in the middle of your mess just at the right time and instantly turn things around for you. And he did that for me recently. Proverbs 15 and 23 says this, The word spoken in season, how good is it? And I'll clarify that right now. There's a sign on my desk in my room. That my handicapped sister-in-law uh, made for me recently, and it says this: "God keeps His promises." And I thought, you know, that's unusual for her. I mean, I mean, I've got a horse that she made, I've got a butterfly wind chime that she made, I've got a little mouse that she made, I've got this thing she made out of yarn. Has two eyeballs. I don't know to call it a thing or a monster or whatever it is. But you know, I thought that's funny that she would give me a sign. It says God keeps his promises. But what, even though she didn't realize it, that, that was a word by God to me. Spoken in due season. And let me tell you how good it was. It was a good word. It, it was a reminder to me of God's faithfulness. That he is a faithful God. That to matter what, whatever you've been through or whatever you're facing, God hasn't kicked you to the curb. God hasn't forgotten about you. You know, I know every Christian, they they get to a point in in their life where they think maybe God's forgotten about them. You know, or, you know, maybe God's given up on them. Can I tell you that God hasn't given up on you? Praise God. Thank you.
1: Hallelujah. How many loves the Lord? Can someone say amen? Who wants to know the perfect will of God? Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? Romans twelve two it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Brother Jeff, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So there's a, that means God has given us a roadmap today. You want God's perfect will? Here's the first thing. Don't be conformed to this world. I love what pastor said earlier today. How that, I remember that back in the 80s. Uh, it was, let's give our life to the Lord. Now, we don't got time to give our life. Uh, we can just give our seconds to God, all right? But um, uh, what takes us from not being conformed to this world is then we allow God to renew our mind. And how is that done, Brother? It's done where every day we stand before, hallelujah, we stand before the Lord and we seek his face. Can someone say amen, all right? We get into his word and we find out the way we should live, hallelujah, and then we become a witness to wherever we're at. Because I tell you today, wherever you're at, God has put you there for a witness of that day. Hallelujah, that's just truth. It doesn't matter where. Uh, Brother Dave, all I'm doing is going to the grocery store today. That's okay. There might be somebody there who you bump into around the cucumber aisle that might need to see something out of you that shows the Word of God, all right? Hallelujah. Now, what happens if you don't do this? That's the key, all right? Now, God has shown us the way to get the will of God, but what happens if you don't? Well, what happens is, is your carnal mind begins to make the decisions. It begins to decide, I need to go here, I need to go there. So what does that make you, John? That makes you God. That makes you God. So if there's a mistake, you can rely on your God, which is you. Whoo, hallelujah. And that's a problem. And then we have the biggest issue. We get the Pinocchio syndrome. Okay, what's the Pinocchio syndrome, Brother Dave? You're kind of weird, okay? Okay, what is that? What's that? It's that little cricket that gets up, and that's all the devil is. Who, hallelujah, that's all the devil is. He's a little cricket. He's not this roaring lion who wants to destroy you. He, doesn't, he, he roars. He can't bite you, though. He's this little cricket going, er, 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 no matter if you're near him, er, 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 no matter where you're at. E-er, er, 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 and the Pinocchio syndrome is he just has this little toothpick. And he says, you're a loser. You suck. You don't know nothing. God hates you. And as soon as you do this, that little, don't miss this, that little toothpick gets larger. But he says, you know what? You're a failure. And you look at him again, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it gets a little larger. And then he says, you know, your future is going to be destroyed. You're going to have, you have, in fact, you have no future. And you begin to focus your eyes on that cricket. And that bat now becomes big enough. And he begins to beat you across the head. And you wake up every morning. And you wonder where the pills are at. Or the alcohol is at. Or anything that can take your mind off the fact that you are a loser. Woo, hallelujah. But God says, you're a child of God. So today, I encourage you, take the hand that the Lord has given you and knock that cricket off your shoulder by renewing your mind, by seeking his face, not being conformed to this world, and he will then give you the will of God for your life. I can't believe I made it before the the minute off. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it as a miracle. I I can't believe
4: it. (laughs) That's unfair. I was waiting to see you get dragged out of here. (laughs) All right. There we go. All right. Scott is good. I wanna paint a, a slight picture for you. I'll try. My hope is to be done before the bell too because I always had that fear of trying to have enough or get enough to fill time. Um, I wanna paint a picture. If you've ever gone to um, a park or a playground and you've seen the paths or places around the equipment, it's all worn down, there's no grass, there's no plants, there's nothing, it's just packed dirt. Um, also put this, and this will help a little bit, as well. If you look back to the dust bowl, the Midwest dust bowl we had here in this country, nothing grew, it was just dirt, everything was dusty, you have that same thought in your head, right? Everybody with me? All right. Dry and fallow ground. Fallow is basically what they would do to renew the dirt, renew their crops. They would actually till the land but they wouldn't plant anything, and it was just left. Well, if you look at that same thing that happened in the Dust Bowl, they actually planted, there was just no water, and then you look around the parks and playgrounds, that packed dirt, there's no grass there, there's nothing growing. This is important to know. Why? Because he's talking about our hearts, our heart being the ground. What's the condition of your heart? Is it right now growing? Is it producing fruit? Is it fallow? Rye. God kinda gave me that picture of just that dirt being hard and packed and there was nothing growing there. And then when I tried to figure out what that meant, I got this scripture when I looked for it. It's Hosea ten twelve. But you guys have already seen that, so we're good. Alright. So for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Till he comes and rains righteousness on you. This is really cool. So for yourself, righteousness. What is that? I don't have this scripture up here, JJ. So don't put it up. Philippians four eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good, report, virtue, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's your seed. That's what you have to sow. How do you sow? You go to him, and you ask him, and you meditate on those things. You get it out of the words. You get it out of communicating with him, and now you have what you sow. Reap in mercy. This is another scripture. It's not up there. JJ, don't put it up. Thank you. Galatians five twenty two to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what you reap in mercy. When you sow in those things that you meditate from him, you'll be able to reap in from those crops. But we're missing one key component. For it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. The watering of your fallow ground. If you've tilled it, you've planted in those seeds that he's given you, now you wait on him, but you continue to seek him And he will pour rain out, and that will water your fallow ground. Those are key ingredients, very, very major key ingredients. You have to live a life connected to him. If you don't, you end up with dry and fallow ground.
5: Praise God. So, Pastor didn't know that. God had already been talking to me about the fire, and he named this Five Minutes of Fire. It's like, oh, wow, God has a sense of humor. So, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the fire and how it pertains to us as Christians, as children of God, the fire of God in our life, which is very important. So, the scripture that he gave me, though, which isn't up there yet, but it is actually a scripture that God gave me in hindsight. So he actually gave me like four different things about fire that's really important. I don't have time to tell you all four things. I wish I did. So I'm going to focus on the two that I feel like the Holy Spirit had put his finger on for this morning. And uh, several days ago, I was trying to do this bonfire, like I said, and it wasn't going well. And God started talking to me. I love it when he does that. Oftentimes, my life lessons aren't just for me. They're to share. And so that's what one of these things are. And I just really love how he talks to me sometimes. He's just so he's so candid and so frank. But he just simply said uh, a couple things to me and asked me a question. I'm waiting for my scripture because the scripture is really important. So in Matthew 22:36 to 40, this is what he gave me in hindsight. Somebody said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. Everyone has heard this scripture many times. And this, the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, which is his way of saying it's just as imp- important as the first one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I just uh, think that's really something that we forget as Christians. We want to love God with all our heart, but we forget about, you know, the cross was made in a shape that I think is a good visual for this scripture because the very first scripture, loving God, loving Jesus with all our heart and everything that's in us is this part of the cross up and down. So I'm going to leave you with this visual, and then I'm going to go on to the fire. And the second part of the cross that goes, extends outward, where his hands extended outward and where our arms are supposed to extend outward to our fellow man is the second one, loving your neighbor as yourself. So the first thing God spoke to me is he says, do you see the smoke? I was making a lot of smoke (laughs) because I wasn't doing too good. He said, and I said, yes. And he said, he said, and we've all heard this. He said, where there's smoke, there's fire. And he started talking to me about the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. And he he said, what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? And and so it was just a time of of reflecting, you know, a time of reckoning me and God. You know, the, the Bible says, signs, miracles, and wonders shall follow those who believe. And God didn't just write that in there because he needed to fill a space in the word. He put it in there because it was important. Every one of us should have signs, miracles, and wonders following us as children of God. And so I just really believe that why that's important is because it's like an open door for the unbeliever, for the person that's watching your life to say, I want what you have in your life. I want this because it's not natural. It's supernatural." Now, how do we get the fire? And the first thing that God showed me is friction. You know, that's the old-fashioned way, going like this. You know, we all want a fire starter or a match, you know. But friction is needed. And so holy discontent is what came to me. A long time ago, I heard a famous evangelist. I was in a meeting, and his name was Floyd LeHon, and he preached holy discontent. Holy discontent. It's like discontent is not something good. As a matter of fact, Paul says, be content in all things. So content you know, by itself is not, discontent is not a good thing. And so God spoke to my heart, holy discontent is so needed because it's the friction that's needed to start the fire. And sometimes it takes a really long time and perseverance. And what it does is it elevates you to a platform where we can pursue him properly And what does that look like? What does that look like? It's it's not about, God, I want you to move in my life so I can do mighty exploits for you. It's, It's God, I need you. God, I need you more. God, help me to fall in love with you even more than I do now. God, I need you more than I need my next breath. God, I need you more than I need my next meal. I need to fall in love with you more. It's that holy pursuit of his love. God is love. Have you ever noticed that when you spend time with someone a lot, you start to take on their attributes? This is the fire. This is the fire. And without that holy discontent, there will be no friction. There will not even be a fire. You might as well pull up camp and go home. So I just want to leave you with a challenge. I actually ended before five minutes. This is a miracle also. (laughs) I just want to say also that it is not, holy discontent is not striving, it is not striving. Striving involves works, and works is religion, and this is just going after God and who He is. You go after Him, you pursue Him, not for what He can do for you, but for who He is. God bless you.
0: Praise the Lord. Would you stand to your feet this morning, church that's our special guest speaker today at encounter all of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website godenc.com messages from bishop michael rice are freely available on itunes find us on facebook under encounter